tired. So tired. Overtired. You are listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren, and I'm here, as always, with Mr. Brett Terpstra. Happy 2022, Brett. Hey, happy Happy New Year. How you doing? Happy New Year. I'm I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I'm a little tired. Um, I like I slept a lot yesterday, and then today, which is Sunday as we're recording this, like I've I got like maybe like a 45 minute nap because we were supposed to record at a certain time, and then I like took a nap then instead. <laughs> but I, I I basically didn't go to bed at all. So it's like early afternoon. I mean, it's like 11 a.m. here, so it's like early afternoon basically. And and I've slept you know like 45 minutes in the last. I don't know, 18 hours, but I slept a ton yesterday. So it's not my sleep schedule is fucked is what I'm saying. What? Why are you up all night? I know. I don't know. I was, I was getting pulled into reading about stupid drama on the internet and, and other stuff. I don't know. Yeah. That's reading stupid drama on the internet is not usually the reason you sleep. It's just a symptom of not sleeping. No, this is very true. This is very true. And I'm not sure. I think, okay, so I'm pretty sure I had Omicron. Um, uh, because of testing, uh, like it's, it's impossible to know, but I, I am better now, but I'm pretty sure I had Omicron. And so like, I think as I was getting that out of my system, like my, my sleep schedule, just not great. Yeah. So I, so they talk about Omicron being milder, but the long COVID shit is really like I've gone into full lockdown. I've canceled my weekly visits with my parents and uh, like Elle is masking full time at work, even when no one's no customers are in the yarn shop. And like we are doing our best not to eat. A mild infection doesn't scare us, but the long term effects are are frightening. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. And and it's impossible to know. I mean, because long COVID, we know so little about it. Right. I think at this point, Omicron for a lot of us is probably kind of a foregone conclusion, just because of how rapidly it's spreading. Yeah. And it does seem like if I had it, if I did in fact have it, I had the symptoms of a cold. Yeah. Um. And you know, I had like um, my throat was sore. I never had a cough. I never had a fever. My ears hurt. But it was one of those things that would have been like. I, I would have in any other year pre-pandemic would have written off as like a winter cold, you know? Well, and bonus, um, the antibodies will keep you from catching Delta. Right. I mean, if right. you're looking for Which a silver lining. Important. No, I was going to say, I mean, like the thing is, is that I, I've, I've been vaxxed, I've been boosted, and now I'm I'm 99% sure that I've had Omicron. So I should hopefully be protected against, you know, the the serious um variants at least as far as we know are you self-diagnosing so, i thought we've talked about that i i usually don't self-diagnose i know i but well no but with the the testing situation is so fucked up like i haven't been able to, you know in the window when i when i would have tested positive i wasn't able to test mm-hmm. so like that's the problem so yeah i'm just i'm, I'm not leaving the house i guess i i, I went to the co-op but like it's not like I'm like scared and hiding inside. I just I never leave the house anyway. Um, I'm just being a little extra cautious now. No, I mean I think that makes total sense. I mean, like I had to I had to fly home, and um, you know, like uh, I, I think that I might have actually had it when I was still in Atlanta. I don't even know, you know. And I was certainly masking and doing everything I could there. But like Georgia people, it was weird. I think I'm, I I don't know if I talked about this with you um, on the last pod that we did before the end of the year or not, but. 
I was heartened. And also it was like, it was kind of a weird like WTF moment because we were in Costco wearing masks and most of the other people were wearing masks, which was nice to see considering it is not a requirement in Georgia. Um, And I saw a guy on like a motorized scooter in a mask wearing a mega hat. And I was like, huh. That's interesting. Okay. I was like, that. this is an interesting sight to see this. And um, like, I, I feel pretty confident he probably isn't vaxxed, but it, it, at least it was nice to see someone in a mega hat wearing a mask. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not like, I, that doesn't make me necessarily feel better about the state of humanity, but it also, I that but that was not a sight that I expected to see. Yeah. Especially w- the recent polling that shows that I think 40-some percent of Republicans believe that January 6th was done to protect, was a way, uh, that, to protect democracy, and 30% still believe that Joe Biden didn't win the election. That's, those are huge numbers. This is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. That's, it, this is beyond crazy. Like, it's just, I, I just don't even know. And it's gotten worse, you know what I mean? Like, like this is... Just well, yeah. I mean, and Trump has never conceded. He continues to no. he continues to rail that it was a fraudulent election, and he's going to keep doing that all the way through twenty twenty four. But if you never lost, are you still eligible to run, or do, are we counting this yes. towards his his max eight years? No, I mean he he could still run. I think at this point it's an age thing. It's like. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it, it's also, I think, I think that he's kind of the boogeyman. And I think that my hope is, and, and and this is, you know, me being hopeful, which is always a bad thing. My hope is, is that his, the way that he's acting, where he's kind of like doing the will he, won't he run thing, is that that will potentially impede um, the Republican Party from having a better candidate ready sure, to go in sure. 2024. Because who um, would want a primary it, against them there? Well, that's what I'm saying. And so they're going to be at a point where they're going to have to wait until it's very clear that he's not running before they can even start that process, which is going to make it difficult, right, for both fun for fundraising for for so many things. Yeah, but, um, but there's a whole host of sycophantic imitators waiting to to step oh, up. There are. And all of oh, all of I Trump's mean, fundraising machinery could go to whoever, you know, does end up. In the primary. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. I just feel like, you know, ideally, if you were going to be like coming up with another campaign thing, like you would be starting to put out the feelers right now, to be honest. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So like, and you would be starting to kind of, you know, shore up stuff. If it, if we're into, you know, like 2023 and, you know, it's still kind of a, a, an up there thing, that's going to put them at a disadvantage even if they turn on his campaign spigot, right? Like that's that, that's still going to, from like just a, a pure like ground game perspective, not be great. Uh, I think that if it's not him, uh, and I don't think it will be him, I, I think that for for many reasons, I'm hoping that like the cooler heads will prevail and will like him and some's like, dude, just, you know, die in, in West Palm Beach in peace. You know what yeah. I mean? Like continue to be the boogeyman on TV, which is what he'd always wanted anyway. Yeah. He he never really wanted to be president. Uh, but but I sadly think I think it's going to be um, the the uh, the governor of Florida, um, who's going to be the candidate. Um, 
Speaking of boogeyman, if you ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there's no better time than now. Right now, our friends at Simply Safe are giving overtired listeners access to all their New Year's holiday deals, 20% off their award-winning home security, and your first month is free when you sign up for the interactive monitoring service. We love Simply Safe because it has everything you need to make your home safe. Indoor and outdoor cameras, comprehensive sensors, all monitored around the clock by trained professionals. They send help the instant you need it. Simply Safe was even named Best Home Security System of 2021 by U.S. News and World Report. You can easily customize the system for your home online in minutes and even get free custom recommendations. And there are no long-term contracts or commitments. It's a really easy way to start feeling a bit more peace of mind in the new year. So hurry and take 20% off your Simply Safe system and your first month is free when you sign up for the interactive monitoring service. Visit SimplySafe, that's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash overtired. Again, that's SimplySafe.com slash overtired for 20% off your entire system. Helps you keep an eye on on those boogeymen. Yeah, definitely. If I were if I were in if I were in Florida, I would definitely want a Simply Safe system. Yeah, for lots of reasons. Yeah, to protect against lots of different things. And there, entertainment, sure. right? I mean, the shit that I mean, has to happen the in men? the backyard. Are you kidding me? Like, the Florida Man videos alone <laughs> that you would be able to, like, view, like, honestly, like, that would be pretty great. Mm-hmm. Catch catch Matt Gates with underage women in your, in your back, in your pool, in your backyard. Not to mention just all the other, like, random Florida shit that happens, you know? Yeah, I don't know if this is good advertising for our sponsor, but... I mean, it's probably. I'm, Again, I'm, I'm just that's saying. What you like, get. Look, when you advertise for that, say, you know, you, it, you you could see it as good, you could see it as bad, but that's what you get. This is what you get, and and I think that this is. Look, if you want to actually have the audience pay attention to an ad read, this is probably. I would say is is probably something that's going to be more successful for you. Yeah. Oh man, you know who does really good ad reads? Um, Who's that? Some more news. Uh, Corey Johnson uh, does these just over-the-top, sarcastic ad reads, and I love them. And, it, like, they're entertaining enough to listen to that I, I think they're actually way more effective than a straight read. I think they must they must clear the scripts with the sponsors beforehand because some of the, some of the things they say, I would think they would have to do make goods all the time. Anyway. So, okay. Have you ever... Have 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 you did you watch season one of The Witcher? I did. Yeah. I so did. you're familiar with the with the character. I am. I am. We talked about this before. My problem is I like didn't remember all of it, so I yeah. need to watch the second season. But I need to go back and watch the first one first, yeah. and I just haven't. And we did that. But yes, I jo- I joined. Elle started watching the first season again, and I wasn't motivated. But then about episode, I think I watched four through. I think there's six. Um. I joined her and we watched them and I got really into it again and I remembered why I loved it. And then we watched season two and we kind of binged it, I think a couple weeks. And um, if any show has ever been capable of getting a woman spontaneously pregnant, I think it's season <laughs> two of The Witcher. Nice. His, so he's his ha- look, he's so his hot. voice, like Everything about him gets like magnified in season two. He is unbelievably hot. And the weird thing is we looked up interviews with the actor 
not you 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 cannot see the witcher in the actor when he's doing an interview his voice is different his without the wig he's he looks nothing like him like even his walk is he not in any superman i've ever seen but i haven't seen a superman movie since the 80s Okay, well, yeah, no, he 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 was a uh, Superman and the, and the Amy Adams and and this um you know the um yeah he Amy was Adams Superman. was in a Superman movie yeah huh. it's good I, I'll take your word for it I'll I, I might go look that up but I can tell you no, that the no no he's also in Batman for Superman which is not good but but in 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 the the Man of Steel okay. uh which which was good it yeah okay. um sh- but yeah yeah is he, he sexy he's lovely. in that um oh yeah because he is just like in his interview he's a good looking guy but not like panty dropper. No, totally. Although he, there's this video that he did last year where he um, built his own gaming PC and it was the great, like he put it on his Instagram and he did like a, a thing, like kind of like a um, um, like a time-lapse thing of him building his PC and like putting all the parts in and stuff. It was, it was freaking awesome. Like, because he's apparently like a huge nerd. Like he played the games before he was cast. And like he apparently for one of his auditions, like he was almost like he almost missed it because he was playing, you know, some um, multiplayer game or something. And and um, seeing him um, build his, uh, his his gaming PC was like actually pretty fucking great because he's got the <laughs> muscles out. And he's doing the whole thing. And like and he's not doing it in like a I'm trying to be sexy kind of way. He's like really doing it. And like for for nerds, for so many reasons, like. As a female nerd, I was like, "Oh my god, this is the hottest thing ever!" <laughs> right. um, and uh, yeah, he's he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, as yeah, he's as best. Witcher, I can attest that he is definitely pretty goddamn sexy. He is, and and he's he's just he's he's lovely. I really like also, him. Also, I um, realized I think I like fantasy. I. I've always considered myself a sci-fi person, but could take right, or leave fantasy. fantasy. But like Shadow and Bone, and uh, I guess ever since uh, the Hobbit trilogy or the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I mean, um, I've kind of I've had a soft place for dragons and magic, and I don't, I didn't recognize this part of myself until now. That's really interesting. Um... And I have to say, because I'm not, I mean, I'm usually the same as you. Like, I'm like, I like sci-fi, wouldn't call myself, like, a huge fantasy person. Like, I've never, like, Lord of the Rings, I don't really care for. Um, you know, I never read any of the books. But I do like, I do like Witcher, and uh, I, I I could maybe get into some games. Um, uh, this is kind of a tangent. So, Witcher, I think, is, like, one of the few, if only, like, good adaptations of, like, a, a video game that I've ever seen. You know, yeah. like in another medium, like it, 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 it usually it does not work sure. well at all. Um, I don't know if you saw the news this week. Um, the showrunner of um, a, a creator of um, Westworld is um, going to be creating greenlit uh, a Fallout TV series. Okay, that me- now I, I'm played, not a gamer. Have you? Like, I know that okay. Fallout is a game, and that's where the knowledge ends. Okay, so you would love Fallout because Fallout is like dystopic as fuck and it is completely like it's a post-apocalyptic kind of a role-playing game, but there's like later like versions, there's like kind of action elements into it. It's really, really, really fucking good. Um, and um, like it's kind of has like a like a, a retro-futurist kind of like element. It's really good. Um, I would say that like the um, 
like the the Fallout um, 76, which which came out like the which is like a spinoff. Not good. But like Fallout, Fallout 2, Fallout 3, Fallout 4 are like fucking fantastic games. And the storyline is really good. And like it's always been really ahead of its time in terms of like letting characters like be like whatever gender they want to be and having different roles and stuff. And it's just it, it's a really good game. But um, this is one of the things where like my first concept, I was like, OK, well, you could fuck this up really easily. And um, but then I looked at like the um, the team that is behind it and and it looks great. So it is basically Jonathan Nolan is directing uh, and he's he's the co-creator and the showrunner of Westworld, which is great. And Westworld is already similar in a lot of ways to follow. So that's great. Oh, I, then I, I was the I, I, I heard Christopher Nolan. This is a different Nolan. No. OK. Different Nolan, yeah. So, so this is the guy that created and, and has directed a lot of the episodes, especially the first season of, of Westworld. Yeah, cool, cool. Okay. And and Westworld has a very similar Fallout vibe, so honestly, I feel like that's a match. But then the two showrunners um, are um, uh, Geneva Robertson um, Duet and Graham Wagner, and their credits, respectively, are like the perfect match mix for this show. So um, uh, Geneva Robertson uh, uh, Dewaret co-wrote Captain Marvel and also the 2018 Tomb Raider film, which is, again, one of the rare examples of, like, a good adaptation of a video game. And if anything, I think that the 2018 Tomb Raider film is, like, better than... I mean, the the, the reboot of the, the Tomb Raider games are good, but, like, the original ones weren't great. And, like, the original films, you know, Angelina Jolie is iconic, but, you know, they're not really anything that special. Whereas I, I think that, like, the 2018 Tomb Raider film is both really is really good and is a good way of bringing kind of the reboot of that franchise to that medium. And then the other uh, showrunner um, was an executive producer on Portlandia and on Silicon Valley and Baskets. And so that's like the perfect match to me where you've got, okay, somebody who has real kind of like action chops as well as somebody who, you know, Portlandia and, and Silicon Valley, like really getting the humor and, and that sort of like wryness down. So just from the the creative team, not knowing anything else about it, like I am feeling incredibly incredibly like hopeful about this which as someone who loves the fallout games this makes me happy because this would be like what would be a usually and this is gonna be on amazon by the way this would usually be like something that would fill me with dread being like okay you're trying to adapt one of the greatest game series of all time you're gonna fuck it up you're not gonna get the tone right you're not going to do it you know any of it justice and I feel like they might they might nail it. And similarly to the way I feel like like Witcher has been incredibly well done. All right, that was that was that was a classic Christina uh, tangent. Beautiful. Do you have anything linkable for this? Uh, I sure this do. News? I sure do. Well, yep. There it was a an exclusive. I'm going to add that to the show notes. Um, speaking of movies, is this a movie or a TV series? It was a TV oh, series, okay. but they're all the same thing. They, they kind of are. These like short run six, eight episode where it's one long story arc. I feel like they are just really long movies that you can watch in yeah. chunks. But anyway, I, I I had decided not to watch Matrix Resurrections just because the overall reviews were dismal. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, I wasn't interested in, like I... I think we talked, we, neither of us really remember the second or third movies. We remember the first one. Right. Uh, we kind of erased the second and third from our memories. And I felt like 
if it wasn't going to be good, I didn't need to see a fourth. If I already found the first two sequels forgettable, but then I, I watched a YouTube from second thought on, uh, analyzing its, its place as a trans political statement, uh, the matrix as a whole, as, as trans politics, but, uh, especially the fourth one, which kind of peels back the the fourth wall and they represent they represent the the movies as games that neo or tom anderson has created and therefore they can make social media critiques of the movies by way of treating them as a game trilogy and and kind of uh break that wall down so the movie could critique itself without being too heavy-handed and just putting in a bunch of inside jokes I ended up liking the movie. Like it helped that I was looking at it through a lens of it being something other than it was on the cover. But I, I right. gotta say, like, even as just a fun movie, I, I had a good time. It was a fun movie. Okay. Okay. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't, I didn't love it. It, it felt, um, I think that if I, I viewed it through like the different lens, I think that I might have like a different interpretation. Um, and, and I read a lot of the discourse about that stuff, but, but for me, like, and I, I'm very happy to like, see like that sort of reading into the, the trilogy and into the films, but it, it has always in some ways to me felt a little bit like, like, I don't know, like rewriting history. Except, um, not to say that the, not except to- for since the first movie came out, both Wachowskis have come out as trans women. You're you're completely correct, and and I and I'm not I'm not debating that. I just feel like some of the reading into that has been a little bit like over. Like that's not to say that there might not have been some of those themes that were you know like maybe hidden deep inside. But I personally do not buy the theory that that was always like the hidden message of the film. I just don't believe or so, of the trilogy. I just don't so believe that. I, I, and I don't need it to be true of the original. But the fact that they, they, and they explicitly mention it in the fourth movie, uh, they, right. they talk about all the ways that the game has been interpreted and among them as, as trans political. And, uh, right. and I feel like they kind of embraced the, I, that idea, even if it wasn't intentional in the beginning they embraced it for this fourth movie. And I don't remember which oh, yes. which of the two yeah, sisters yes. was the director of this one, but it was a solo effort. Right, it's Lana, I think. Yeah. No, and and look, and I agree with that. And I think for the fourth one, I'm happy to view it through that lens. For the previous three, even with like the acknowledgement that obviously both uh, directors transitioned and, and that maybe you could say that that was part of kind of like the, their, their underlying thoughts when they were going through that, I personally just don't buy like the retroactive kind of like auteurism of being like, oh, well, this was always the hidden meaning. And the reason I say that is just to be completely blunt, I feel like that gives way too much credit and like is 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 frankly like too much fan service to all of the like ridiculous amount of essays that have been written, especially in the last five to seven years about that subject. Where to me, it it just doesn't like, it just doesn't compute. Like, I just don't think that, I, I just personally feel like maybe that was some of the the subtext and maybe that was something that the, the, the directors were going through. But 
I haven't seen anything that makes me conclusively believe that that actually was the real subtext. I think this is stuff that the people have gone in and have seen into it. It's kind of like when you see all the people who write these like really long essays or make these really long video essays about all the hidden meaning in Pixar films. And it's like, okay, this is your interpretation, but this isn't actually fact. Um, the difference is, is that now they have turned some of that into, you know, canon, for lack of a better term, for the fourth film. And I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with even taking on like that, um, you know, like like way of kind of like, you know, changing like the, 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 the films going forward. I just personally will not go back and view the other threes specifically through that lens. Um, for me personally, but I'm, I'm obviously people are, are wel- welcome to, to interpret things however they want. Um, some of the meta-ness of the of resurrections did it didn't bother me. It just felt like again, like it's like okay, well, who are you making? Like, what's the point of this? Is is this just to be kind of meta and kind of responsive and kind of you know like whatnot? Um, I think my biggest issue with the film, though, and again, like I didn't hate it. I just the second and third films are bad. They're not good films. And I felt like there was an opportunity here to, in many ways, just kind of discount or diminish what those were and to, you know, do kind of a true kind of response it was weird to the first that, film. Like, I remember, I remember nothing about the plot in the second and third movies, and it didn't matter for watching Resurrections. Like, I felt like there was, there were no references in it that I didn't immediately understand. Yeah, I mean that that that's fair to a certain extent. I just feel like they could have erased and like changed how some of those things were set out. I just felt like it, you know, like to me that just felt like a failure. It was just like okay, you had these second and third films which were not good films. And and that many of the Wachowski fans for years and years defended because I remember this. I remember being like I wasn't an active part of the discourse because I didn't care enough, but it was one of those things that like we would get like get into kind of like arguments about it with people, you know, and be like People go, you know, defending this and that. Oh no, this is this is this great story, and this is allegory for this and that, and it's all these other things. That's why these two the, these two films have to exist. And I'm like, okay, but they're shitty films. And it, to be even furtherly blunt, if I'm just being honest and going on a Christina rant, the first film is a technical marvel and was in the right place at the right time and was released at the perfect time, but is overrated. It's not that great of a movie. Like as a movie, it's not that great. I think that if it had come out even six months later. I do not think that we would continue to be talking about The Matrix. Now, it came out when it came out, and it was a juggernaut, and it was hugely impactful, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But it came out in, a, in an incredible year for cinema, like an incredible year for yeah. cinema. And it came out in April of, 2000, of 1999. If it had come out six months later, and it was having to be in the same conversation as American Beauty and Magnolia and Fight Club, we would not be talking about The Matrix. You don't think so? Like, it, no, not at all. I, I don't think that it would have taken on the way that it did. I think that it took on for for uh, a couple of reasons. First, as I said, April 1999, perfect time for it to be released. The 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 graphics and the stuff like you know like like bullet time was really incredible. And then what happened was when the DVD release happened, it was the perfect timing because that was right when people started buying DVD players. And so it came out on DVD in September of 99. And became even like months after that, like bundled with a lot of people's DVD players. So for many people, it was the first film they got on DVD and and that and, and DVD because there were more of the films, they were higher definition, like 
people collected movies and rewatched them in a different way and there were extra features and all that stuff. And so I think that that impacted the film far more than like, I think that that, that timing was just like perfect. And I, and I do wonder, I think that if it had gone up against like some of the other films in, especially in late 99, I don't, I don't know if it would have done as well at the box office. And consequently, I don't think it would have had the home video legs, which is what made it, you know, the juggernaut. I, I feel like the timing was. I think it still it. would have had the same fan base, though. Um, I think it would have had a fan base. I don't think that it would have been what it is. Like people wouldn't have like like 10 million people or however many people had the DVD wouldn't have had the DVD. Like, I think that that timing was like really perfect. Um, Unknowable. And, we may never know. Yeah, but I. We will, we will never know. I just, I, I stand by the fact that I think that the, the consequent reason why was the timing. And look, the timing was perfect. I'm not taking anything away from that. But I do feel like that was as important of an element as anything else, you know, um, for, for that, for that series. Um, and, and I, and I feel like that shows because if you look at like the second and third films, they had like record breaking, you know, like box office stuff, but they were not well received. They were not good films and they haven't had the legacy at all you know that the 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 first one had so um i would like to correct my earlier statement the video that i watched that got me to watch the movie was from renegade cut it was titled okay. the matrix resurrections is absolutely beautiful that's the title which i believe i believe he put out there as clickbait because uh that's a contrarian point of view but i link that in the show notes I did appreciate nice. that they, because of this uh, referencing the Matrix as a video game, they were able to say the phrase bullet time. However, mm -hmm. I feel like they failed to live up to, I, I mean, that like bullet time in the original movie was so uh, like groundbreaking and it was yeah, such well, a stunning visual effect. And it was, and it was, it was that, and it was that corn video that that corn video did had that. The same I don't remember that, that corn the, video. I, I, I never, I, I never like saw it. it. I don't think, but, um, but they, then they mention it, they name drop the effect and then they do a pretty poor representation of, of bullet time in, in matrix resurrections. I was a little disappointed. You have the opportunity to, to like really recreate a pivotal moment in film history and you failed but right no totally so so it was freak on a leash which was like corn's big breakout song in 99 you were not watching mtv in 1999 i was in high school so i obviously was i was watching trl every day but this video was actually directed by todd mcfarlane who you know todd mcfarlane of of, of comic book fame mm -hmm. um and um and, and it was like animation and there, there was live action stuff and they had a bullet time sequence and and that actually predated the um the matrix by a couple of months but obviously the matrix was already done but but those sorts of things were were kind of you know happening yeah like obviously what happened in the matrix was 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 bigger but the matrix like exploded sure. like the, tech, like the technology like was, yes. the like the full circle of of high-res cameras that it takes to pull off the the 3D frozen uh, yep. action moment uh, was definitely like that. The Matrix didn't invent that. No, but it, it popularized it and it was the one who did it the best. And again, I think like to my point, like I did you watch it like downloaded like 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 DivX, like where's copies? 
did, before it came out on DVD? The Matrix? Yeah. I don't remember. Okay, because when I was, again, I was in high school, um, what, hap- what happened is, like, the people, either they were cam copies or they were decent, like, digital, you know, uh, copies or whatever. I think they were probably cam copies, meaning people sitting in the back of a movie theater yeah. recording with a camera. But um, uh, those got on the internet, like, immediately. And because some people had high-speed internet, uh, I did not. I still had, I was still stuck with dial-up because we didn't have uh, cable in my neighborhood yet. But some of my friends did. They were on the, this was before BitTorrent, but they were on like Napster and and the other types of services. And so it were those things where people were, you know, like downloading it and then burning it to um, CD at that point because most people didn't have DVD um, uh, players. And if they did, they didn't have DVD like burners at home. Um, like I had a DVD drive, but I didn't have like a, um, a DVD R drive. Um, but people were like burning them to CDs and watching them that way or watching them as like, you know, like, you know, um, MPEG, you know, MOV files. And so I think the matrix was probably the first like full length film that I ever had like a downloaded copy of on my computer that I was watching before, you know, months before it came out on DVD. And like, that was maybe a week after it was in theaters. So it was one of those things that a lot of us, we were watching over and over and over and over again before the film even came out on home video, which just made it immediately be like, yeah, well, I want to watch you know, the higher quality sure. version, you know, yeah. once it's out on DVD. So for for a lot of people of like a certain age who I think are uh, not completely the, the the core fan base, but but a lot of people on the fan base were people who were like, okay, this was like the beginning of us downloading hmm. not just music, but movies off the Internet. So again, timing. Yes. So speaking of timing, no, I can't, I can't pull that one off. Um, speaking of saving money, is it okay to lead in from the idea of pirating films yeah. into Absolutely. cheaper wireless? 100%, 100%. You're looking to save money and, 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 you know, going to the movies was $6 back in the day. Right. So, right. Yeah, totally. And for just a little more than that, you can have wireless service if saving saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2022 why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for wireless switching to mint mobile is the easiest way to save this year as the first company to sell premium wireless service online only mint mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just 15 dollars a month All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. With Mint Mobile, choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data that you never use. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash overtired. That's mintmobile.com slash overtired. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash overtired. Um, so the other thing that, that's been on my mind this week is the crypto backlash. Yeah. Like I, it, it, I spent a lot of time converting myself to being a Firefox user and I'm a pretty happy Firefox user. And then Mozilla announced they were taking crypto donations. And uh, the one of the original founders of Mozilla, Jamie Zawinski, 
J- yeah. JWZ on Twitter. I was going to say JWZ and, and, his, and his blog, man. Which blog? What? I think I think it's JWZ.org. I think that's his website. Oh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I, I, I don't know a lot about the guy, um, but he he tweeted. Hi, I'm not sure whoever I'm sure whoever runs this account has no idea who I am, but I founded Mozilla and I'm here to say fuck you and fuck this. Everyone involved in the project should be witheringly ashamed of this decision to part, partner with planet incinerating Ponzi grifters. And uh, you just sent me an article that's, if I'm reading the headline correctly, they stopped after this. They stopped accepting crypto. They did. They did, at least temporarily. They 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 stopped taking, um, um, they, they're pausing crypto donations because of the backlash. So um, um, basically, um, yeah, because because yeah, because and and Jamie he was one of the original like he was like one of the original founders. He was one of the original creators of Mozilla. He worked at Netscape. He's like a hugely influential person in like the history of uh, Mozilla. Um, and then Mozilla responded. So starting today, we're reviewing if and how our current policy on crypto donations fits with our climate goals. And as we conduct our review, we will pause the ability to donate cryptocurrency. In the spirit of open uh, of open source, this will be a transparent process and we'll share regular updates. We look forward to having this conversation and appreciate our community for bringing it to our attention. Yeah, I don't really care if Mozilla accepts crypto. That doesn't that doesn't make right. me want to stop using Firefox, but it also makes me wonder, do I understand the backlash at all? Like, I, I know crypto is bad for the environment, and I, I hate that. Like, I, I, it makes me question everything I do with crypto. And I know that people view it as, and you could speak a lot more to, like, the whole Ponzi scheme aspect of it, mm-hmm. but... Does it if if a company decides to accept donations using a form that people have available, does that really constitute grounds for a major backlash? Um, so I think it's like a cultural thing at this point, in addition to just like the obvious um like potential um and, and actually not even potential, they are very there are very real environmental yeah, impacts. Yeah, of, no, of no argument. There. Like that that's Right. Like that, that is a real thing. Having said that, I mean, I also feel like this is one of those things that whether we like it or not, it is it is here to stay. Uh, I think there, you know, we've seen this before where companies have stopped taking cryptocurrency as donations. Usually when they've stopped, it hasn't been because of any sort of environmental reason or backlash. It's been because the price fluctuates so much that it's like just not worth it for them like either they you know want to cash out immediately which can cost them some money and fees that you know they may or may not want to pay that overhead depending on how much they get or if they're holding it in crypto like and they have to try to account for that on their balance somehow you know if, if you're going up you know potentially many many multiples or you're losing a lot like maybe maybe you don't want to do that uh for mozilla i i have to think that the amount of donations they're getting in cryptocurrency is probably a minuscule amount. I mean, they get almost all their money from Google. Um, you know, like Google gives them several hundred million dollars a year. Yeah. And that's where the bulk of their their money comes from. Um, but uh, obviously, um, when you have like the original creator of the project and then you have this other like vocal backlash and you try to sell yourself as like, we're the not evil like web company, it does have 
you know, there, there's like, there's, there's like a, um, there's a social element that, that then I think comes into play, which I think is a bigger thing. So my friend Kylie Robeson wrote this article for uh, Insider at the end of um, last year. If there's a paywall, if you use a, like an ad blocker thing or like the read, you know, tool, you can, you can do it. Um, you know, you, you can read the article. Um, it's called uh, The Web 3 Boom is Bringing um, America's Culture Wars to the Tech Industry, and insiders say it's already causing an ideological rift among developers. And this was written, um, you know, two weeks ago, um, and it's completely dead on. We've just seen it happen even more. Uh, and, um, you know, at this point, uh, Web 3 is becoming kind of the, the term du jour to refer to anything crypto decentralized. But for a lot of people, there are a lot of people who have like just like a, an instant like negative reaction to anything Web3, whether they think that the technology and the potential of decentralization has any positives or not. And, and part of that is because a lot of the people who were really, really huge on the Web3 train are obnoxious fucking assholes. And they're obnoxious fucking crypto bros who like are gross and people are just turned off by the whole thing. Like I, this was pretty funny. Somebody was trying to argue with me um last week that um web 2.0 was all about centralization which it, it wasn't like obviously it became centralized you know across a, a number of large companies facebook google whatnot but the whole point actually of like the whole open api movement stuff with rss and whatnot was actually decentralization the fact that everything you know became centralized wasn't like it wasn't uh, part of the a, mission a no, it wasn't. And and this guy um, and, and Dave Weiner had tweeted something about this saying, look, say whatever you want about Web2, but you can't claim that we wanted to be centralized. You know, it's like the mission of RSS and other stuff was this and that. And and, and I like quote tweeted that and, and agreed. And then this guy tried to argue with me that RSS was actually centralized and whatnot. <laughs> no, 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 this is what it was. He tried, no, 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 no. He tried to argue with me that, that RSS and blogs were part of Web 1.0. And I like laughed at him and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You, you can't make any sort of argument in any sort of good faith that blogs and RSS were part of Web 1.0. Like, literally, if you read, I, I was like, I'm not going to get into a whole thing with you, but if you want to go back and like, and, and, and I'm not going to argue with you about semantics, like it's, you know, 2004 and we're at a Tim O'Reilly conference, but go back and read Tim O'Reilly's shit from 2005. And the irony of this is he was arguing about this with the guy who literally co-created RSS and one of the pioneers of blogging. Dave Weiner. So to me, it was pretty hysterical that he's like trying to tell Dave Weiner, oh yeah, your shit wasn't actually Web 2.0, even though like, you know, um, if anybody would know, it would be you, which is hysterical to me. And I'm like, okay, like a lot of these people just, they, they want to make stuff up. They want to like, come up with, with rationales that don't exist. And, and the hype that they get behind because the money is real. And at least right now it's super frothy. And so a lot of people are making a ton of money a lot of people don't want to see any of the downsides. Now, conversely, I do think that you have people who are overly cynical and are overly negative just because they see the Ponzi schemes, they see the get-rich-quick stuff, they see the outright scams, which, to be clear, are fucking real. But they ignore the fact that, yes, even if this shit is gross and is happening, doesn't change the fact that this is still a trend and that this stuff is is still, like... A reality, whether we want to admit it or not. Like um, Anil Dash made a comment in um in, in Kylie's um article, um where um he said you know um 
the Web3 community has not had that moment of realizing they had empowered not just scammers and grifters, but people that were going to twist this technology for really evil use, Dash said. For all the good it's done, there's been so much harm. And I think there's anxiety and grief and residual culpability about that. But he'd also commented um, about that, like that, that, like there's a certain inevitability in in Web3, like the whether like we want to like admit it or not, like like it is it's here, right? Like this this is a real thing. So I feel like there's this um, like ideological divide where you have people who are way too bullish and and are are, are way too excited about what it is, and to the point that they're changing history retroactively to make it seem like Web3 is the only true way. And then you also have people who are way too anti to the point where, you know, people are taking jobs at uh, crypto-related companies, they're getting attacked for taking a job someplace. Like, that that happened to a former colleague of mine. And it's like, okay, you don't have the right to tell anybody where they can take a job. Now, you can be an ass about it. Obviously, you have the right to be an, to be an asshole on Twitter. Fine. But like, no one is beholden to anyone else to be like, oh, I have some sort of like now like moral, you know, the like purity test that I have to say, oh, you know, if I associate with this company or that company, you know, if I take a job here and if I want to be involved in this space, I'm suddenly now a bad person. Like, I feel like that's going too far as well, personally. Yeah. Any Anything that involves like, a purity test in my eyes is going too far. I agree. I can't, I I can't agree. think and of I a purity like test I agree with. No, I, I 1000% agree. And so at this point, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of in the stage of like, everybody shut the fuck up. Like, we don't know what this is yet. And even though I don't like a lot of aspects of the Web3 like community, I'm not willing to write off DeFi or, or decentralization or crypto as a concept. Like, have I seen the killer app for it yet? No, I absolutely haven't. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that, that that this is real. I would be, I would like to see people have way more, um, like be building way more uh, things on top of it. I will say I, what I thought was one of the best um, blogs about this. Uh, this came out uh, the other day. I'm going to link this in the uh, show notes. Um, uh, Moxie, who is uh, the um, the creator of um, uh, one of the uh, uh, Moxie Mark and Spike, who, Marlon Spike, who's one of the guys behind uh, Signal, wrote this incredibly technical and really good article about my first impressions of Web3. And, um, you know, and, and he looks at it from both like a, a cryptography standpoint, um, you know, which, as, as he points out, you know, like, despite being a cryptographer, he hasn't been drawn to crypto, which is is true. Um, but he he kind of talks about some of the problems that that he's seen within within crypto as it exists right now and web three as it exists right now specifically talking about how nfts work and things like that and and what he thinks some of the challenges are but also he's not willing to to write the whole thing off and that's opened up some really interesting discussion points i think because you've seen some people who have um like this was like i think one of the first times i've seen an article that didn't seem like either this is the greatest thing ever everybody better jump on board or the sky is falling and this is just a grift like there's a shitload of grift out there. I don't know if you saw any of the crypto land stuff this week. No, I didn't. There's a shitload. There. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, that's we don't have to get into <laughs> that. But the, but there's a shitload of grift. But there's also this is like it seems like this is a real thing too. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. For me, and and this was interesting in Kylie's article as well. She interviews some people who talk about the fact that like they don't want to immediately, um, like. Like they feel bad, like they're like, okay, if I discount what um 
this all is like i'm going to be potentially like blocked from getting jobs if i if i simply say i don't hate this on its face so people are like afraid to even express any bit of um like i guess like sanity about this stuff which to me is just stupid like you know mozilla if Mozilla doesn't want to, if they don't want to deal with the backlash, like, I think that, like, the, I think Jamie isn't completely within his rights of being like, I think this is a scam and gross. And the way that you're doing this, you know, to, to get donations is gross. I think that's completely fine. I also think it's completely fine if Mozilla wants to take the donations. They'd been taking the donations for a long time. Like, where was the outrage when they started taking donations? It just, I think it was the timing of everything. It's like when I said that i like the matrix resurrections and and lost like five thousand followers no i'm just kidding that didn't happen and it's nothing (laughs) like that um that's a that's a lot of information i have more reading to do now thank you for the for the background though that's helpful um yeah no it it is interesting though because it is becoming this like ideological like question and it is i think it's putting a lot of technologists in a weird place where typically we are the early adopters and the people who embrace the new and you do see this like hesitancy towards this new thing in a way that you typically don't see it with with things that are very clearly like trends that are happening so it's interesting i have one more sponsor before i have a, a, a weird last topic for us sure fortunately it's my favorite sponsor Yes. What would you do with more hours every month? Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers. They're all taking precious time away from you and your team. With Text Expander, you can take it back so you can focus on what matters most in your business. With Text Expander, you and your team can keep your messaging consistent, save time, and be more productive and be more accurate every time. The way we work is changing rapidly. Make work happen wherever you are by staying more in less time and with less effort using Text Expander. You'll never need to copy paste repetitive responses again. With Text Expander, your knowledge will always be at your fingertips with a quick search or abbreviation. Here's how it works you drop your commonly used content into a Text Expander snippet and you give it an abbreviation, couple characters, a word, whatever. Then you share your snippet with your entire team. And then you just type that abbreviation to trigger the snippet and the content expands wherever you're typing. It's that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Overtired listeners get 20% off their first year. So I highly recommend you visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Big thanks to Text Expander. Long time yes, supporters, huge um, supporters, and we are are huge users. So, do you watch Queer Eye? Uh, yes. I I hadn't watched Queer Eye since season one, back when it was Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Right, right, the original and, series, and I enjoyed it. It was fun, but I, I fell off. I I got out like I had a period of time where like reality TV in general was still interesting. Like, this mm-hmm. is like season one of Survivor when I gave a shit. Um, right, right. <laughs> that, what was a new medium? Yeah, yeah. And it was it was interesting. I, I, I actually never got into the real world, but um, but I did, I did get into so Survivor because it was on in the rehab facility I was in, and that's all anyone wanted to watch. So I had like 30, <laughs> I 30 days in lockdown with nothing to watch but Survivor. So I got into it. Um, it did not 
it did not last for me after rehab, but I did enjoy season one of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. So just out of curiosity, I watched the first episode of the new Netflix season of Queer Eye, more than yep. a makeover. Um, and it blew me away. I was like, I was crying. So I was, I Aww. don't, I don't cry, but, uh, especially the second episode where it was the trans power lifter and mm-hmm. like just the, the smile on her face when they like revealed her, her hair and makeup to her, it was, it, it, it just, it made me, it made me tear up, but. Uh, so I'm actually into it now. I've watched three three episodes of Queer Eye, and I'm looking forward to more. I love it. I love it. And you wouldn't know this because you didn't watch The Real World, and most people who are listening to this probably don't know this because they weren't continuing to watch The Real World at this point. But um, Karamo, um, Karamo was, he was on Real World Philadelphia really? in like 2004. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I had yeah. no idea. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it was one of the, like, this was back, like, peak real world. So, like, peak real world was, like, real world Las Vegas. And then, because that was so successful, because everybody fucked. Um, and, like, uh, there was this girl, Trishel, who was, like, just, like, hardcore, just, like, she fucked every, I think she fucked every dude on her season, which, you go, girl, whatever. Like, I'm not going to slut shame. But um, she also fucked one of my friends, actually. <laughs> um, uh, uh, like, she's several years older than me, but... um had a weird connection uh, uh, my one of my college roommates boyfriends went to college boyfriend went to college with her and like yeah um but um they were airing like they had a couple of summer seasons where they would air like two real world seasons like in a year which is historically it only been like one a year anyway he was on the philadelphia season um and and he was like the first like openly gay like black guy on um on mtv and um uh, or I think maybe probably any reality show. Um, and uh, um, it's been great to see him, like, because I hadn't thought anything about him in, in forever. And when I first watched it, I was like, oh, Gromo, hell yeah. Um, but all of them are so great. And you're right. It is like a really wholesome, like, good show. Yeah. Like, it makes you feel good. Well, and you know? I really liked like that. That I, I have no idea what happened between the beginning and now. But I love that they go in with like relationship counseling built into yes. the show and and just like general uh I, it's therapy basically but yeah basically and they combine yeah, it, it with with like uh home decor home makeovers home reno yeah it's, it's like whole it's like whole whole lifestyle stuff yeah which they did they did some of the home stuff in the original series but they certainly didn't do like the the therapy and the stuff they did now, it was also the original series, you know, was because it was on Bravo in 2003 or whatever, you know, TV was different then. It was much more about kind of the stereotypical, you know, like gay best friend kind of thing, right? So like like the even the personality of of the um, cast members who were all great, it, it was it was a different type of show, right? Like, and and, and now you have like, um, you know, um, uh, like it really does celebrate queerness, you know, like, like, um, um, uh jvn is is non-binary and like you know like there's just like a great appreciation like you said you know they have um have have trans characters and they deal with relationship stuff and and it's uh it it is a really wholesome like good show i'm really glad you watched it because yeah it's it's like one of the few like shows on tv that like does actually make you at least me anyway i'm like oh yeah yeah like 
because so, so much of reality TV has become like the worst <laughs> the that you can see. The lowest denominator. Which I watch. I love 90 Day Fiance. I love The Bachelor. Oh my God. The, the, she, she had a heart attack for selling farts. What the yeah. fuck? Yes. For anyone oh who misses this story, Holy shit. one of the contestants so or whatever on 90 Day Fiance had started a business where she was jarring and selling her farts. And mm-hmm. she was living on a steady diet of beans and eggs in order to uh-huh. create farts. And right. that led to chest pains. And she went to the hospital thinking she was having a heart attack. And they said, no, you've been eating too many beans and eggs. Right. So you she's off your the diet. market now. Yeah. She stopped selling farts. She's off the market now. No, now she's selling NFTs. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, which is, I have to say, I love the grip. Well, the thing is, the reason she was selling farts is people were like talking about how, well, you know, she was a like, good for nothing and whatnot. She was like, I'm not going to sell my news. I could make more money selling farts than you do. She was making like $200,000 a year selling farts. 50 grand a week at its peak. Yeah. 50 grand a week. You know what? 50 grand a fucking week. I can't, I I can't even conceive of that much money, but you, you go girl. Like, I'm glad, like, don't kill yourself. (laughs) Like also I'm, I'm I'm just saying. You could could sell half as many farts and be fine. You could also just being real. I doubt that most people buying the farts are opening them up. You know what I mean? You think they're like so, putting them on the shelf with like a plaque? I think that is a kit. I think it's a kitsch thing. I think that it's one of those things where people are just buying it because it's funny. I don't know how much they cost. I can't imagine they cost that much. So for me, I would imagine like if somebody was selling something that ridiculous, I could almost be like, okay, I'm going to buy See, this because it's that's, funny to that's buy. That's you. You are a very particular type of consumer who would who would. Okay, this is true. Who would buy Dogecoin, who would buy farts just for a laugh. Just for the lull. A yeah, totally. Um, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, that's fair. I don't, but, I, but again, I don't know how many people are, are actually smelling the fart that they're buying. I mean, who knows? Maybe this really is a huge fetish market that I just don't know enough about. And that's actually possible. Although I would, I would still think it'd be like, girl, outsource it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if you're making that much money... Well, it's not like anybody's going to know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you could probably come up with a chemical reaction that smelled similar to your farts and just or ju- or you could just them. hire a, or you could just hire a bunch of people, give them a hundred dollars to fart in a jar for you if you're making that many. You know what I mean? I'm just An saying, empire, like empire, a fart pyre. right? That's what I'm saying. Like, like just just like create create a fart shop, like not a sweatshop, a fart shop. You know, like. I just, I feel like there'd be other ways she could do it, but I do feel like um, uh, then shifting into NFTs is like the perfect way for that story to end. That's a fantastic story, though. I'm very glad you brought that up. I, uh, do you um, remember the uh, the listener survey that we linked a while back? Yes. Uh, we did get some results from that. And I, there, we have, most of our listeners are between 34 and 42 years old, ranging. Okay. Uh, we have one person was under 25 years old and one oh, yeah. person was over 67 years old. Everyone else fell in the middle there. Um, so I would like to say a special hello to our, our one teenage listener and yes. our one senior citizen. Hell yeah. We appreciate both of you. And, and, and Hey, thanks to all of you 34 to 42 year olds out there. You, you, you make yep. our, you make our day. Um, I was going to say you, you are, you are us. You are totally us. Um, although I was told that I, um, the, I think I told you this, the dermatologist thought that I looked 25. So like the nurse that I was 25. I, well, I wouldn't, which was I wouldn't age. argue with that. Not because I'm scared of you. 
you, 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 <laughs> you have very young features. I am a little disappointed that we skew pretty heavily male. So shame on you to all the men who listen to this show for <laughs> not sharing it with more women. I was going to say, please, please share it with, with all the women in your life. Because I feel like this is, this is great feminine content that we make. Honestly, like we just spent five minutes talking about Queer Eye and, fucking and the Witcher? 90 Day Fiance. And The Witcher, absolutely fucking The Witcher. Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's so hot. He's so hot. No argument here. No, I mean, it, if, look. If it, I could get pregnant, that show would have made me pregnant. I was going to say, I was going to say, like, I have no desire to be pregnant, but I would, I would, I would have his baby. <laughs> like, I'm surprised there aren't more babies named Geralt at this point. Like, I feel like if you look at the popularity of names, there should at least be a small peak in the name Geralt. I, I, I'm, so if I hadn't already named my next cat, which is going to be um, uh, Roy, uh, why can't I remember his name? It's my cat's name. Roy from uh, Ted Lasso. Yes, yes. Roy, Roy Kent. Kent. Yes, yeah, our it. next cat. If it's a boy and maybe if it's a girl, it's going to be named Roy Kent because he's mm-hmm. here, he's there, he's every fucking where. But Roy if Kent. I hadn't, Roy Kent. if I yep. hadn't already picked it out, our next cat would be named Geralt or Yennefer so, or a girl. I could or do Yennefer, Yennefer. but Geralt, yeah, yeah. Ger- I like Geralt. Yeah, so I mean, I think Roy Kent makes the most sense because you know he's 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 here, he's there, he's every fucking where. Plus, he's a treasure, but. Um, Henry Cavill, uh, uh, Geralt is also a treasure. So, my my cats, Bod, Roy Kent, and Geralt. That's awesome. That would, that's actually It'd be pretty even awesome better to cat. me if they were all female cats and we just gave them, yeah, names of convenience. I agree with that. <laughs> totally. Um, um, although although Keely would be a good name for a cat too. Like if you couldn't be a like give Roy and Keely. Um, I would also say that. Of our of the people who responded to this survey, they listen to zero other shows on the network. Like we're the only show on Backbeat Media that they were responding for. That's that's loyalty. That's just blind oh, yeah. blind and loyalty. I was gonna say thank you for following us, joining us. If you've been with us for a long time. Um, or if you're new, thank you for continuing to to listen to us. We we really appreciate it. And the vast majority of respondents, uh, when asked how often they would like us to release new episodes, said once per week. Sixty-two uh, percent said once per week. Um, let's see, nobody said once a month. Uh, uh, okay, that's good. We, we had about twenty percent said every two weeks was fine, which is yeah, that's cool. That's I like that. I like that pace and. said the episode length should be exactly what it is. We're getting it right. We're nailing it. Hell yeah. One person said it should be shorter. Okay. One person said that overtired is too long. Speaking of, we're at an hour three right now. So I was going to say, I was like, speaking of, we've gone really long this episode, but like we have, well, we've, we've been gone for two weeks. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think this was important for, for us to get this. This is really interesting information. Okay. I'll send you a copy. Yes, please do. I appreciate that. All right. Well, Christina, I, I hope you catch up on your sleep soon. 
Thank you. Thank you. And I hope that you have a, a great week continuing to catch up on TV and, and other stuff. Um, I will watch The Witcher um, so that we can uh, talk about how we want um, uh, Geralt to get us pregnant yes. uh, more in the future because I think that's important. And um, yeah. All right. Have a, have a great get week. Get some sleep, Christina. Get some sleep, Brett. This system is going down now.